this sermon went somewhere that I did not expect. This is a sermon for our sisters. This is a sermon for our sisters in the church. I, I think we can praise God. We can give God a hand clap right now for the sisters who are leaders in this church. Women of God who are leaders in this church, who are blessed and honored and seen by God. So I hope that you can hear my heart in this as we delve into the word of the Lord. I will begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for gathering us this morning. New mercies we see. Great is, our, is your faithfulness unto me. Lord, who would we be without you? How would we be without you? We would be weary travelers in a strange land with no direction, nowhere to go. But we can thank you that we have a savior, a redeemer, a healer, who is here right now being the salve for our wounds. Lord, bless the word that comes forward today that's poured forth from this imperfect vessel. Bless it now and let your perfect word be the perfect word of God for an imperfect time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So since Troy has restarted the tradition that I had when I was growing up Baptocostal in the black church for us to stand, I'm going to ask you all to stand and honor the word of God for a few minutes with us. We'll be coming from Jeremiah chapter 8, 18 through 22, and then we will briefly read 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 through 8. Again, Jeremiah 8. 18 through 22 and 1st Thessalonians 5 through 8. The word of God for the people of God. Jeremiah 8. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Behold the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and breadth of the land is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images and with their foreign idols? The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. For the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn and dismay has taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? First Thessalonians 5, 5 and 8. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not the night or of the darkness. 
So then let us not sleep as other do, others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain, Jesus, uh, obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to focus specifically on verse 22 in the book of Jeremiah chapter 8. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then, as the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? The title of the sermon today is There is a Balm. Thank you. You may be seated. All right. Okay, I'm going to make a little bit of a true confession here. I've been binge watching The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu, and it feels like I've been sitting through a four-season-long horror movie. How many of you all are familiar with uh, The Handmaid's Tale? Okay, a few of you all. Okay, all right. Most of you all, you're too saved for The Handmaid's Tale. I understand. That's good because it is a tough show to watch. I told my wife the other day that I was having nightmares related to the episodes, which is probably God's way of telling me to kind of ease back just a bit. But I got to be honest. It's really been hard for me to turn away from the show. For those who aren't familiar, the series is based on a work of speculative fiction by the same name. And for those who aren't familiar with the term speculative fiction, it is a popular tradition in literature. TV and film, especially for people who like sci science fiction like myself, because it introduces readers to an alternative reality, i.e. one we don't ostensibly live in. Sometimes, the world that speculative fiction has imagined for readers is dark and it's dystopian. The author or screenwriter will depict a society which is either on the decline, rotten to its core. In this society, the characters are either prone toward, prone toward moral failure or forced to fight for their sanity and survival in a world gone haywire. A world which, not unlike our own, is mired in injustice, in fallenness, and in sin. The Handmaid's Tale takes place in the fictional republic of Gilead, what we now know to be the United States. In the story, and in the TV series, Earth is dying from a number of factors. And as a consequence, the birth rate across the globe has dropped significantly. Tragically, this prompts the male political elites of Gilead to attempt to solve the problem. And we know what the word solution can mean given Germany's Nazi history. Right. So they can attempt 
they're going to attempt to solve the problem by forcing women to repopulate the nation. And the consequences are terrifying. Women are, for all intents and purposes, stripped of their rights, their equality, and reduced to sexual slavery. Forms of sexual violence against women is an everyday occurrence. Use your imaginations. We don't need to be explicit here. Those women who can still reproduce are reduced to being breeders. And that's a really important word from our slave history in the United States typically referring to black women and their roles on the plantation, okay? So they're reduced to being breeders. The show refers to, refers to them as handmaids, whose primary job is to produce children for families. June Osborne, the show's main character, is a handmaid who is hell-bent on escaping Gilead and reuniting with her family in Canada. But with all good fiction, there are always plot twists. June eventually escapes Gilead to unite with her husband. But all that has happened in Gilead has begun to catch up with June. June has escaped Gilead, but she has not escaped its trauma. All the while she's in Canada, she is legally free to be with her husband. But all that she can think about is revenge against her former male tormentors. Let that sink for a second. She's free legally, but spiritually, psychologically, she is bound, chained to her former life. She ends up murdering one of, the, uh, one of her former male captors. After all that June has gone through, fans are made to sympathize with her, viewing her cause as just. But fans of the show are also left wondering, will the justice she pursues lead her on a path toward healing? Will she be in bondage to her past? Or is there a balm for her? Beloved, many of us have asked some version of this question. Is there a balm for us? Is there healing in a world which feels so fallen and where at times we felt so far from God, we can't tell whether our decisions are divinely inspired or an act of utter desperation? Can I get a witness? Have you ever felt the night crowd over your soul to such an extent that you have been fooled into believing 
God has abandoned you. Left to your own devices, you make choices which afford you some solace. You're happy for a moment in the short term. But in the end, you find yourself in a place worse than you were before. Let me talk to the sisters for the moment for a moment, because I, you know, it's, it's quiet in here. Amen, walls. It's quiet in here. I'm so I'm going to talk to the sisters if I can see I can get them on board. Let me talk to you, my sisters. Have you ever longed for the day when you would be given the respect due to you on your job? If I could just get one amen here. Or maybe you've tarried patiently for the equal pay due to you for that equal work you've put in over these long years and come up with Lent. Or you found yourself crying out to God, hoping that he would rescue you from a physically and emotionally abusive relationship. But you can't seem to find your North Star to freedom. Or maybe you would just like for either your boss or your colleague to stop sexually harassing you. That would be nice. And then, then you finally make it into leadership, into places where you could enact much needed change, changes at the institutional level. And what happens? The sense of disrespect directed at you is ever the more intense because you are a woman. And you muse, woman of God, when the male boss thunders his commands at his employees. When he thunders his commands at his employees, it's a voice coming from heaven. When you supervise your employees with any degree of confidence, you're a you don't have to pronounce that word. Stay with me, church. Here's the thing about speculative fiction, especially when it comes to shows like The Handmaid's Tale. The literary tradition is at its best, at its most terrifying and ominous when the world it has created for readers feels like a world we are dangerously close to living in. Oh, we, we don't have to look to the disturbing events unfolding with women and girls in Afghanistan and wonder what's coming when there's all of this stuff happening right in our backyard. In the real world, the pain is intense for you, woman of God, because you feel as though your voice has been silenced, your competencies impugned and derided, and your humanity consigned to second-class status simply because of your gender and as if to add insult to injury you sometimes hear preachers interpret the scriptures in narrow ways which seem to accord men the pride of place in God's divine plan and sometimes you are left wondering where you fit into this plan there's a lot of talk about wives submitting to their husbands but let's talk about the love honor and respect due to women 
You look for healing from the God of your salvation and your faith remains unvanquished. But there are brief times of doubt when even the scriptures do not feel as if they speak to the particulars of your circumstances. I know I'm saying something controversial here, but let's just keep it real. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place of listlessness and loneliness that does not allow us to see God clearly. There are brief times of doubt when even the scriptures do not feel as if they speak to the particulars of your circumstances with their emphasis always seeming to be on what the Lord has done for those hymns, not H-Y-M-N-S, H-I-M-S. Feeling abandoned and left to limited choices, you want to holler, is there a balm. But the thing we must keep in mind about a balm is that it is meant that its sole purpose is to heal and soothe in the aftermath of intense pain, discomfort, and disquiet, to begin the process of repair and reintegration and intense periods of despair. The balm begins the process of restoring us to physical and emotional integrity. Beloved, we discover at least three ways the balm is meant to be the antidote to Israel's waywardness and hopelessness in the book of Jeremiah. First, as early as the book of Genesis, the book, biblical Gilead is celebrated for its balsam. That's the ancient word for balm. It is a resin used for the healing of bruises, cuts, and scrapes, and from where the word balm is derived. In the scriptures, it seems that the prophet Jeremiah had reached his wit's end with a nation on the verge of ruin. The days of Solomon and David's reigns were over, and by the time Zedekiah becomes king of Judah in 586 B.C., when Jeremiah most likely penned his poetic declaration of Israel's ruin, God's chosen people were the captives of the Neo-Babylonian Empire. In verse 21 of Jeremiah 8, the prophet laments that, quote, for the wound of my daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn and dismay has taken hold on me. Israel's fortunes, it seems, are bound up with their daughters. The daughters of Zion are depicted as those who are most vulnerable under an oppressive regime. And Israel is, is imagined as a wounded woman, listing, listless and languishing, chasing after idols, rather than pursuing a right relationship with God. But then in verse 22, Jeremiah asks, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? Jeremiah asks Israel to search its heart to find its proverbial way back to its spiritual home and by implication 
to its spiritual health. As Christ followers, we know who our healer is. And in seeming anticipation of the coming of the divine physician, Jeremiah imagines a bomb to do at least three things. First, the bomb is meant in Jeremiah to bind Israel to covenant with God and to recover them from the spiritual from their spiritual waywardness and confusion. There is a lesson for us here, church. We can be brought back to our best and most effective selves, brought out of a kind of spiritual wilderness and despair when we are brought back home to God. Church, our relationship with God is our spiritual home. There, healing begins. The balm is also meant to heal the skin, to help foster the rebuilding of tissue where cracks and fissures have appeared. I don't have time to read the verses. Please read these verses in the upcoming week when you have time. But in Jeremiah chapter 9, the prophet laments the disillusion of trust among a community of those who God has called as their chosen. Suffice it to say that Israel's wound endures and deepens because no one trusts their neighbor. The second point, the balm is meant to bind us to covenant, but to also bind us to one another. That we walk together. Saints, we can rejoice in knowing that we are bound to a community of believers who can help shoulder our burdens and help us to rebuild from places and spaces of despair. The prophet seems to suggest that the balm sorely needed to repair Israel is not meant simply to restore individuals, but also meant to empower individuals. Jeremiah in the spirit prophesies the word of the Lord saying, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich boast in his riches, but let him who boasts in this that he understands and knows me being the Lord me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things, I delight, declares the Lord. At the heart of healing, then, is God's injunction to us to pursue justice in love. Just to recap, God binds us to covenant God builds in us a community with one another. And then we find ourselves belonging. We can feel as if we belong again. That we have been made whole and been revived. Jeremiah lamented, is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? But saints, we know that our great healer, that our redeemer lives in us. Pastor Troy has already done an excellent excavation of these scriptures in the gospel of John. 
before regarding the woman of Samaria, but I thought I might go back tread a little uh, already tried ground here. But I thought it might be thought it might be worth sort of reiterating in a small way that Jesus knew who he was talking to. Oftentimes we deal with the Samaritan woman, but we must remember that Jesus knew who he was talking to. Can we get an amen that not only does Jesus see you, but that Jesus hears you, that he knows who he is talking to. However broken you actually are, Jesus knows who he is talking to. Wherever you come from, wherever your narrative is, Jesus knows who he is talking to. Amen, church? Jesus knows who he is talking to. The God of our salvation knows who he's talking to. But sometimes we don't know. The Jews regard the Samaritan woman's people, and we all know this, as cultural inferiors and outcasts. But that scripture in John struck me in a different way. But in a patriarchal culture, culture that puts men first, she would also have been viewed as discardable with little value, given her succession of marriages to several different men. Sometimes we read these scriptures, and I have to be honest, I've gotten a little bit confused too sometimes. I'll read it, and I'm like, is the Lord accusing her of having all of these husbands? What, 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 what's happening here? What's, I, don't, I don't understand. But I look at these scriptures a different way, and I say, no, 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 no. Jesus is saying, I know you. And that in my redemption, my balm is greater than the barriers you've had, the struggles you've had, the troubles you've gone through. My balm is greater than your sin. The son offers her a well of living and healing water. And not the kind you could purchase from a televangelist on whatever channel. But the water, which never runs dry. And is a salve for us when we are in pain. As I close, I would say this to my sisters, my brothers, and all of you out there, online and here, who might not have chosen Jesus as your savior. That our creator's good and perfect will is that we don't remain low in hurt and betrayal like the fictional character June Osborne. That our savior's major role, and I will risk putting this even more provocatively, that his primary role is to be the healing balm for our spiritual and physical cuts scrapes and bruises that when he died and rose again we are saved that he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds what's the rest of it church 
we are healed. Amen. We can heal and take comfort in holding fast to one thing, church, that the literal word for salvation in the Old Testament is Yeshua. Jesus, the literal word in the Old Testament, Yeshua, God saves. As that salvation renewed the Samaritan woman, cleansed of her sin, helplessness, and hopelessness, let that salvation renew and strengthen us right now. I am reminded of the African-American spiritual that proclaims that there is a balm in Gilead. I don't know if many of you all are familiar with the lines, but I'm not going to try to sing it today because my voice is off. But I'm going to do some, I'm going I'm to give you some lyrics. I love this song, right? He, the hymnist proclaims, there is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and deep. I feel the pain. In prayers, the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. Lord, we bless your name for being that ever-present balm for us. Renewing the right spirit within us as we walk this weary way. Lord, we bless your name for the balm that is in us to renew and restore justice and love in society, to protect the vulnerable. That includes our good sisters and our daughters. Lord, we thank you today for being our Yeshua, our balm and salvation. As I began to pray, Lord, my prayer today is that there's someone out there who has heard this word and said to themselves, I need a balm. I need you, Yeshua. I need you to be a part of my life. I need you to restore me. Lord, we thank you for those people who have been drawn nigh to you, not by my words, but by yours. That they want the bread of life. That they want to come to the well and drink because they are spiritually thirsty. That they want to be made new. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing in their lives today. And if there are a couple of people, even in the audience, you can raise your hands. We will identify you and connect with you at the church who feel like they need to drink of this water that never runs dry. That there is a balm for us too. For you and for me. For those who are online, I would invite you to connect with the church by filling out a, a connect card at the homepage at victoryseville at churchcenter.com. We would love to hear from you. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing today.
In your precious son's name, we pray. Amen.